Welcome to Greener Fields with me, your host, Hannah Nash. Here, I'll be chatting with people all around the world about the realities of life in your 20s and 30s, especially regarding what life is like living in Ireland or abroad. The good, the bad, the funny and the ugly, and everything else in between to help you decide whether the grass is always greener on the other side or just greener wherever you water it. Enjoy! Nadine, you are so welcome to Greener Fields. How are you getting on? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm really well. Before we get started, can you please tell me whereabouts in the world you are and what time it is? I am in Phuket in Thailand and it is 10 past four in the afternoon. For those, you won't be able to see the video, but she has this gorgeous summer glow on and I'm just after spraying new Bare by Vogue serum in my face to have that effect as well on this call. But, you know, you've mentioned you're in Thailand and we're going to dive so deep into that as a, probably a substantial part of this conversation. But before we go there and start the conversation properly would you mind giving me a little bit of an introduction into yourself and who you are maybe your careers hobbies where you're from and um, so for those who don't know you get a little bit of a sense of who you are. absolutely no you say gorgeous glow up I say sweat <laughs> um, it looks like a glow yeah. from here <laughs> I'm Nadine um you may or may not know me from my Instagram account, which is Mark and Nadine Travel. I am a teacher gone digital nomad now. I've been living in Phuket for four years. I moved out here as soon as I graduated from St. Mary's in Belfast with a degree in primary education. And for the last nine months, I've kind of been navigating into the freelance world um, in web development and social media management, but still doing a lot of content creation as well. Amazing. And you mentioned there that you were a teacher, gone digital nomad, and that is going to be a big part of this conversation as well. And that transition and obviously coming from St. Mary's in Belfast to Phuket in Thailand and everything in between. Um, I really just can't wait to hear about it because I think you'll be the first person to kind of discuss Thailand at length and everything in depth and changing careers during that time, which is just so exciting. Um, but, you know, before we start there and we go back there, I always kind of ask people at the beginning, if travel was something that they kind of always wanted to do or was it something that kind of you kind of grew into as you got older like was it something that was always a dream of yours were you always did you always have this sense of wanderlust or did that come with age I really didn't you know like growing up our summer holidays were going down to Dunna Beach and being on the beach and staying in the family caravan like that was where we went every summer um I feel like I was quite probably res- restricted in my travel views until I got older until I could afford to start going on my own holidays and it was just something that our family didn't do so it kind of all started I would say the kind of pivotal point would be when I got offered the chance to study abroad um, in my second year at university I got offered to go and study in Madrid in Spain for five months and I would say that is exactly where the kind of travel bug and the itch kind of came from. I remember sitting like halfway through the five months being like, I cannot go back to Ireland for summer. I'm going to have to book something. Um, so I actually booked, I had this, I always loved the idea of kind of Camp America, but I'm also the kind of person that if I feel like everyone's doing something, it puts me off it. So at this point in my life, I did feel like everyone I knew was going to do Camp America. So I was like, well, what can I do that's kind of similar but different? So I signed up to Camp Thailand. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I think that that is definitely different. And I have heard of it before. And I did a camp in America, um, like everyone else, as you mentioned. Um, but it's just always really it's interesting. not a bad thing. It's just something <laughs> that I have to that I have to be that little bit different. I have to like do something else. Absolutely. And it's so interesting because I think that's gonna be like a part of, I guess it's part of who you are, is probably 
led you to where you've been and what you're doing and what your future holds and things like that is that kind of sense of of wanderlust but also kind of figuring out your own path and things like that and all the kind of cringy ways that that's that said you know but it's it's so cool so you went to um Madrid when you were in college and I always kind of like loved to hear about those kind of first experiences of travel like you mentioned when you were younger you kind of remember going to Donna Bates staying in the family caravan but this kind of first sense of real travel and you know maybe independence and stuff like that came when you went to Madrid and if you can remember back then I'd love to hear about you know how you felt like getting on that plane the first couple of weeks the first couple of months making new friends abroad the cultural differences I mean was that something that came naturally to you dealing with all that or was that something that you kind of figure out I think in a good way, I went into it so naively. Like I really had no idea what to expect. Thankfully, I was going with three other girls from my university. Um, Two of them went out a week before um, me and my roommate and they actually found our accommodation and everything. So I didn't even have to do that. The two girls that went before us already figured that all out. Um, Yeah, it was definitely, well, I had already lived in Belfast for two years. So I wouldn't say necessarily that it was a new sense of independence, but definitely culturally, like I was living in this building that had seven floors and there were 11 to 12 people on every floor from all over the world. Like we had people from Argentina, Italy, the US, all living in just our apartment. And it was amazing. Like, I don't think I can ever put into words my Erasmus experience after my Erasmus experience, I remember being, I was so down because I was like, shit, I think I've just lived the best days of my life. Like that's how amazing it was to me. And I was like, what's next? Because that was literally, I think that was like the peak of my existence. Um, Yeah, it was, it was beautiful. Like I made the most, I was so lucky in the apartment that I was in that I made friends that I would still talk to today, um, which is now like six or seven years later. Um, we celebrated St. Patrick's Day together where me and the girls that went from my university, we hosted the dinner and we had like 40 people sitting down with us. Um, oh my God, the whole thing was just beautiful. It was amazing. Sorry, I don't even know if I answered the question. <laughs> it's so interesting because we've had a couple of girls and guys on before who have discussed like Erasmus and how almost like purpose-built it is for making friends of different kind of cultures, nationalities, like because you are yeah. all put into this apartment block like that was the similar experience of girls um, I spoke to who you know went to Amsterdam they were all thrown together in this massive apartment block and it's just really it's it just goes to show it highlights to me anyway you know if you have the capacity to um engage in an Erasmus is that you're not really just left on your own like you are supported to a certain extent on that way through and that's a really cool thing so if you have the capacity to do it, it I'm seeing a running theme here of like you are supported in making friends there you know everyone's in the same boat you have to figure out things like that um which is just great to hear and, and um you know Spain Spain is probably like I've been to Salamanca which is just a little bit outside um, Madrid I believe um and it's like you said it's it's such a beautiful country it's such a great culture the food is amazing so it's just really interesting that kind of was the beginning to your kind of travel bug um and you said then that you decided to go to Camp Thailand and I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, obviously you spent a lot of time in there since, but the initial decision to go to Thailand and how that summer was for you um, to start it off, because obviously in hindsight now, it's been a really, it was obviously the big, the big kind of like thing that started everything for you, particularly now living there for so long. But how was that initial summer and how was that whole experience altogether? 
I think again, I walked into it so naively, like I just booked, booked the tickets, booked the flight and thought that that was it. It really wasn't. I had to run down to Dublin airport two days before my flight because I realized I didn't have at least six months on my passport left. So I had to go and get an emergency passport just to get to Thailand. I didn't know a thing about needing visas for places. This is kind of the perks of having a European passport and, you know, Spain being like the furthest I'd ever traveled to. I didn't need to think of things like visas or anything before. I didn't even think about travel vaccinations until about like a couple of weeks before I left. Um, yeah, again, very naively walked into it, but it was really nice the way Camp Thailand did it. We kind of all connected, like me and the other girls that were in my group on Twitter beforehand. So I actually had like a group of friends that I had never met before I even got there. So that was really nice. It made it a lot less daunting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, again, another running theme is you know with social media the benefits of it and connecting with people before you go places or when you're there is such a huge huge thing and we see that the travel community like we mentioned before we started this call is amazing and they're really open to making friends and things like that but you know so that Camp Thailand I would love to hear a little bit about like what it was like to work there and was it similar to I'm thinking in my experience in my head of Camp America and like just wild <laughs> but how was Camp Thailand uh, there? I wouldn't necessarily recommend Camp Thailand um so I was based in the Bangkok camp so I was in Bangkok for three weeks on Bangkok if you have not been is a culture shock if you've never been to Asia especially but it is so hot it's so busy you're so sticky the smells are so intense of the street food and everything um I also think I contracted no I'm actually very I'm 100% sure I contracted dengue fever while I was in Bangkok so I got bitten by a mosquito and I had one of the worst fevers of my life I thought I was dying I was getting ready to like message my parents and be like I love you goodbye um so by the end of my three weeks in Bangkok I was like ready to leave we did a bit of teaching in a government school there I don't know if I'd call it teaching by the end of every lesson my voice was gone like it was just kind of singing and being loud with the kids in English um but it was fun it was a good experience we had a lot of nights out there was a lot of partying Bangkok is kind of a bit of a party city as well and then at the end of that you got um a week in Phuket to kind of unwind after teaching So I was well ready to like get down to an island. Phuket was great, but as well as that, you could have chosen, not everyone did, but you could choose an additional island hopping experience when you booked on to Camp Thailand. So Camp Thailand itself was four weeks, three weeks each and one week um, for me down in Phuket. And then I opted for the additional island hopping tour, which was over to Koh Yang and Koh Tai, which is actually where I met Mark. Um, That's kind of where our journey started. everything happens for a reason but it's (laughs) but it's so cool to hear that and I think you know obviously you you said you you maybe wouldn't recommend Camp Thailand but you obviously recommend Thailand um you know it obviously had such a like massive impact on you that when you finished uni you went back almost almost straight away am I right in saying that literally I think four days after I graduated (laughs) yeah that's a that's that is definitely like um it definitely had a pretty big hit hook on you obviously I would have been sooner only I had my graduation and my cousin's wedding <laughs> so it would have been much quicker um which I just love to hear and, and it's interesting because I have had a lot of friends who have been to Thailand it's on my bucket list as well and scrolling through your page before this it, it went further on my bucket list I was like maybe I can go like I, I don't know it's up there really really high now because you have yeah you show it in such a beautiful light but so you obviously went back um and I'd love to hear about the kind of you know, 
I guess it was an easy decision to make to go back but how was that experience for you like if if I'm right in saying you went back and you started teaching over there full-time and um, for the first couple of years um and you lived everywhere I just want to hear about you know your Thailand experience at the beginning and moving there and emigrating not really traveling emigrating to a whole new country and culture and everything like that I would say actually the closer I was getting to leave and I my last placement in Belfast I loved my school so much and I heard a job was opening up there and part of me actually was torn about leaving and going back to Thailand which sounds I'm sure crazy to a lot of people but I had that kind of like pressure and those thoughts in my brain being like oh complete your NQT year first like that's what you should do the teacher you should do your like your NQT get your QTS status and then move abroad um, I loved my lifestyle in Belfast. I didn't leave home to run away from anything. So that kind of made it harder to leave as well because I did actually have, like, I loved my life there. Mm-hmm. Um, the move itself, again, I would say I walked into very naively. I remember sitting on the flight with Mark being like, what am I doing? I barely know this guy and I'm moving into a house with him halfway across the world. Um, but yeah, I guess no risk, no reward, right? It's so interesting to hear that, that, you know, I think a lot of times when we think about travel and emigrating in this whole conversation, it's often driven, not all the time, but driven by a certain unhappiness with where you are and kind of thinking that the grass is always green on the other side and all that good stuff. But it was really, it's really interesting to hear that that necessarily wasn't the case with you. You were happy with your life. You had a, a potential for a job in a school that you loved in Belfast where you were happy, but despite that you still made the decision and you still made the risk and took the risk and all these things to move to Thailand with this guy who didn't know too much and things like that which is like such an eat pray love moment I'm obsessed I think it's amazing there's definitely going to be a movie about that at some point but you went over there and did you originally decide like were you did you travel around for a little bit where did you base yourself did you start working so quickly I moved here in July um I had gotten my job secured in April so I applied I literally and this is how naive I was I just kept googling international schools in Phuket and just messaging them um and then I got the job at my international school um it wasn't starting until August but I moved out in July as soon as I got here Mark Mark was a, a manager of a hostel at the time in Phuket and literally the day after I landed the owners of the hostel told him he had to move to Koh Phangan for a month um, which is a good now 10 hour journey you have to get a five hour bus and like a three or four hour ferry to get there and I just traveled halfway across the world like I said with this guy I don't know and as soon as I had like started unpacking my suitcase we're told that we're moving again so I was like what are we doing so anyway we went to Copenhagen and we actually had the best six weeks ever we he was managing the hostel over there that's like the full moon party island we had a lot of friends over there and um, we met a lot of great people. So yeah, we didn't necessarily travel as such, but we went away for six weeks. We lived literally on a bungalow on the beach. And I remember sitting there being like, this was on my vision board a year ago. Like I've literally, I've made it. Like I'm on a bungalow. I'm living in a bungalow on the beach. Um, yeah, that was a crazy summer. Probably a bit more of a party summer than it should have been when I was walking <laughs> into my first full-time teaching job. You probably, um, you probably I, needed it. You probably needed I it. I probably did, yeah. Break, break myself in gently to actually realise. So but it also meant that it prolonged how long it took me to realise and actually accept that I had moved here. It felt like a holiday for the first two months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it probably took me longer to find a routine and to settle in. 
Yeah, and that's the difference. I think we talk a, a lot on this, like on this podcast and this conversation, is the difference between travel and emigrating. So for you, it probably almost felt like you were traveling for the first couple of months before you came back and started this full time teaching job, adulting the whole lot, which is probably a nice, a nice way to do it. Like it's a nice, and like you hear people who yeah. go to Australia, they travel first and then they settle down. Um, and yeah. I think it's, I, I can imagine it's a really, it's a nice middle ground. So you feel like you're not. It's not that pressure to feel so settled so quickly, um, which can be quite daunting and difficult at times. But, you know, you went to uh, you had that summer and it was like amazing. It sounds amazing. I've seen the videos through the pictures. I know exactly the full moon party, the whole lot. And then you came back and you started teaching in your international school. And, you know, I actually have a couple of friends who are in Thailand at the moment who are teaching in international schools as well. And I checked in with them before this conversation to see kind of how their experience was. And like, like everything, there was like loads of highs and lows. They said the kids were amazing. They said the facilities were incredible. Um, but I would love to hear like of your, you know, your, this was your first proper year teaching in a completely different country and different culture and everything in between. How was it for you? So I would, so bizarre because I would actually say I've only really had one full year full-time teaching because of COVID. So we had literally moved here and in July and by the following February, um, everything was locked down. So school was in, you were in school, you were online, you were in school, you were online, you were wearing masks. It was crazy. And it was only really last year where I had a full year with my class in school. And I realized I got so attached to them and they got so attached to me as well. And I was like, of course I have. They're seven years old and this is their first year having one teacher like actually with them for the whole entire year. Um, but yeah, the kids were beautiful. They are beautiful. Like I'm still a cover teacher, so I'm still in the school sometimes. Um, it was quite chill. Like my first year, I was very lucky. Our head was quite relaxed. It was very much island vibes, you know, leave school at quarter to four, come in in the morning. The really nice thing about international schools as well is that you've got different teachers for different subjects. So you've got a PE teacher, a swimming teacher, a music teacher, um, a Thai teacher, a Chinese teacher, which really frees up your time as a primary teacher to actually plan your lessons. So unlike at home where you'd be planning into your evenings and into night and getting up really early in the morning to like finish marketing and stuff, it wasn't like that. I never, ever, ever felt stressed. It's just so interesting because that's that's what my friends are. They're both PE teachers in Thailand. Mm -hmm. And they say the same experience that they have the capacity that their their free time is really their free time. And when they're working, it's difficult, yeah. it's tough, um, it's 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 busy, like, but that's probably quite similar to teaching anywhere. Um it, it, it has a mental drain on you. You're giving so much of yourself to your job, but your free time was your free time, and your free time was spent in Thailand. <laughs> you know, like yeah, you had... <laughs> yeah, your weekends were spent at the beach or like going to another island, or yeah, yeah, it was very the work-life balance was beautiful. And that's the thing about work-life balance, I think, particularly after the pandemic, is people are beginning to, to recognize the importance of it in the first place and maybe separation of work and life and working from home and things like that. Um, but it was a really difficult time. And, you know, to have been away from home in the first place as well probably would have been incredibly difficult because you probably, I don't know, felt quite distant and away from home and family at that time. But I'd love to hear about your experience of COVID in Thailand. Was it something that was really difficult or did you just have to deal with it but in hindsight it was tougher than you thought or so kind of waves like I I really really struggled with homesickness because 
it was in two full years until I seen my family. And even when I did book those flights, there was no guarantee that we were going to be able to actually get home because what if we tested positive? What if we didn't have all the right papers? Um, there was also then the stress of coming back to Thailand and getting back on time for work. When we came back, we had to do a two-week um, quarantine, not quarantine, kind of a quarantine. It was called a sandbox. So you had to stay at specific hotels and do three COVID tests throughout your stay to keep testing you post-travel. So even at home, there was... The whole last week, I remember being so stressed because all the paperwork finalized and make sure that we didn't catch COVID. So the homesickness, I was, yeah, I was really homesick during COVID here. There was even a time like when COVID kind of first kicked off, the health minister of Thailand came out on national TV and said that COVID was brought in by the dirty Caucasians. So we were being viewed then as like, you know we were carrying the virus so we'd be like doing our groceries and Thai people would like stare at us and, and now the Thai people are gener generally like some of the kindest people I've ever met in my life so it was really strange to them being met with so much like resistance and hesitancy and almost fear I guess from them and um, I remember bringing our scooter to the shop one day because the the wheel was flat or whatever and the man turned to us and said it's COVID why did you not go home and we were like because we live here this is home and um, yeah it was hard we actually even like discussed repatriation flights and everything at the start and um, there was two or three weeks where there was a full-blown lockdown like I mean it was so say you live in like a village at home your village at any kind of exit point would have um like a police barricade where you literally could not leave that village and it was for like three weeks so we yeah that was probably the toughest oh do you know what they kept banning alcohol that was really good that was not working for us there's ways around everything but yeah that was probably the hardest thing that they kept banning alcohol we did like a huge shop for booze because we were told that they were going to ban it it was gone within three days and I was like oh no it's just it's so interesting to hear and I love hearing about the perspective of that time in other parts of the world because it's like you know it's just so it's fascinating because it's just we all experience it in a different capacity and like you know I have spoken to people before who have been were away and they were locked out of the country and they couldn't leave and they were away from their families for a couple of years at a time and unexpectedly so I think that could be potentially one of the hardest things is you you had hoped and planned to probably see them yeah. within like you know a year or something like that you weren't expecting yeah. to years and also the uncertainty attached with it that you didn't know when you could see them, even when you booked the flights. Mm -hmm. And that's an incredibly difficult thing to experience. And I think um, it's probably universal, but it's it's definitely, it doesn't take away from how difficult that time must have been for you guys, because not only were you experiencing that, but you were also experiencing a bit of judgment um, from the people like living in Thailand because of who you were and, and what you looked like. And it's just, it's fascinating to hear those stories because I would have never even thought of that you know I would have because I again this is the whole part of the conversation is that when we are where we are we kind of only think about where we are because we're <laughs> that's what happens yeah. but you hear things like that but you know you you got your year working in Thailand um properly the full proper year and you have been there for four years now but you know I'd love to hear a little bit about the kind of general experience of settling into Thailand Thai culture things like the food shop the 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 friends you can make the capacity to uh, feel part of a community there when it is such a incredibly huge tourist a tourist place tourism is huge probably one of their biggest um 
if not their biggest things that the Thailand do so well. How yeah. have you found the kind of overall experience of just fully emigrating? Like you said, you live there, emigrating, living in Thailand the last couple of years. I would say it probably did take me a good six months to like really fall into a good routine and like have my proper friend group at the time. Um, I was also lucky though, because obviously when I started my international school, there was a huge turnover that year. So there was like 20 to 30 new staff and a lot of them were like from England and things like that. So that was, they're all kind of similar age to me as well. So we all kind of fell into a group, which was lovely. Um, yeah, since then, I would even say like my lifestyle now or even my friendships and everything now are a lot more genuine. I'm a lot happier probably in the last year and a half out of the whole four years because I started at like a gym that I loved and I built a community outside of my work. That's probably one of the hardest things when you move somewhere because your first friends are always going to be the people you work with because that's who you're spending every day with. But they may not necessarily have been your friend if you had met outside of that kind of setting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've met like I've got more friends that I've got so much more in common with that I can go for like breakfast dates with and go to yoga with and not just party with all the time because that is kind of how it was when I first got here like our first term at school was like freshers week every Friday it was like sunset drinks on the beach and you always ended up by, down Bangla Road which is like the strip of Phuket like always there was just you couldn't not go and um, so I'm a lot more settled now I've got yeah much healthier routine I'm a lot happier in myself um yeah yeah it's cool but I people I mean make it very easy like they're literally just the friendliest people ever we've not had like besides obviously COVID that's probably the only like, every time we've kind of had a bit of a negative experience with Thai people and I guess that's probably to be expected anywhere in the world in any capacity like when you're put under that's severe amount of stress and pressure the world was so scared and there was so much fear about you that was expected everywhere that probably was experienced by other people around the world too and I think you know hearing that there and I have heard this with from so many people that Thai people are so generous they're so kind quite like people uh the Balinese and Bali I've heard amazing things about their people there as well and it's just lovely to hear that you know again like like being in uni or being in school so often we're friends with people we are situational like it's situational friendships yeah. and they're so good and they're so valid and so important but I think the, the closer connections happen when you can meet them outside of that and if they're you know and they're, absolutely and it's just like and it really is yeah okay we live gets hotter and sunnier and everything but you still have the same kind of obstacles that you have to that you'll come across and things that you have to maneuver around like it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows you will have fallouts with people you will realize that you just don't gel with certain people it still happens here yeah and that and and again it's such a good reminder for myself and everyone listening is that you know we see we see the the sunset beach drinks we see everything like that and it's so easy to convince ourselves that none of the rubbish that happens at home would happen over there it's so we want to believe that and I I get that um because I experienced it as well and you know again t- speaking on kind of the lower lights and again we're going to talk a little bit about social media in a bit but has there been kind of the more tougher moments so you mentioned the homesickness with COVID um but over the last couple of years like the the cons to all those pros that have been the experiences working mark travel adventure all that good stuff can you let me know about some of the reality and the tougher moments so that we can um you know balance out this argument of the good and the bad and everything else in between yeah um so 
I would say one of the hardest things that we have found is like actually the ability to be able to secure a permanent job here as a foreigner is actually not as easy as you think it is unless you're a teacher so for me it was fine I'm a teacher so I could walk into a job that could hand me a visa my work permit pretty good salary because it's an international school but Mark's not mm-hmm. so for him he's went through three or four jobs in the last four years and there's been a lot of uncertainty with our future here together his future here um he was when I first came out I mentioned he was a hostel manager he was being paid not even probably not even a third of what I was getting in my school but he was doing 16 hour days six days a week minimum like it was crazy he was he was being totally taken advantage of so that was hard it was frustrating for me because I felt like I obviously knew that he deserved more than that but he was hesitant and standing up for himself at the time the owners were making a lot of false promises things like shares and stocks and all this kind of stuff COVID happened and he ended up out of work totally eight months Thankfully, here they just kept doing like COVID extensions like so his visa was fine um I mean he didn't have a visa technically but there was that kind of panic I mean we were both living on my salary which again was fine because it was COVID couldn't do anything anyway um but there was that panic like will he get a job again will he find something that's going to give him a permit and let him stay here um the second job he left when did he leave that one last summer in July and he was quite lucky he actually got another job within a month but again there was still that kind of niggling in the background like will he find another job the reason for him leaving that job and his most recent one is because they were both startup companies startup tech companies and I don't know I think in a way the people that run these companies to be able to set up a company in Thailand anyway I think you have to know certain people like it's quite hard and you might have to be able to pay some people behind the scenes and stuff so the people that unfortunately he has run into that have done these things haven't maybe made the nicest bosses and he would have gotten in the past two years very very anxious because of work like he would sit and work until half one in the morning and go to bed riddled with anxiety. He'd wake up at half six to go to work riddled with anxiety. He'd be still told during the day that he was stupid and he's not done something right. And obviously that impacted him himself, like independently, but then that obviously then affected our relationship as well. Like I, he won't mind me saying this because he's quite open about it now as well. And that he's removed himself from it, but he was turned into someone that he didn't want to be like he felt like he was talking quite negatively of people and of things and that's just not him like if you ever meet Mark you will know that he is one of the kindest and nicest people in the world he is the life and soul of the party like he just loves meeting new people and yeah it was just kind of destroying him like a little bit at a time which is kind of what led us obviously to him going to Australia now for work. It's just well thank you for sharing that because I think that's an experience experienced by so many people around the world at a different time and the and the uncertainty involved with financial well-being to to a certain extent and the impact that a job can have on your life and particularly the negative like when it's good it's great but when it's bad it can be really really bad for your health and your well-being and I I know he's not the only one who's experienced that I know so many people I know myself at times as well and it's just something I guess that doesn't really get spoken about because we for some reason work finances things like that we don't talk about um I just don't know why I think it's probably a bit taboo and things like that so thank you for sharing that because I think that will um really connect with a lot of people at a different time in their lives and you know again like you said you have 
this is the kind of yin to the yang like this is the tougher moments to all the amazing moments this was the, the bad to the good and it just goes Absolutely. Through- it's a lifestyle but zero savings like yeah. our yeah you know like the earning potential is so low yeah um so there is there's pros and cons to everything and that's something that I want to kind of mention a bit now is you know you I think last year decided to go and change jobs and now you mentioned earlier that you work um kind of freelance web development things like that and I'm sure there's a lot of uncertainty associated with that um and I'd love to hear about that decision in the first place and, and how it's been going for you kind of becoming um this kind of I guess not necessarily new trend but new kind of career choice of a digital nomad so I would say I realized in my first year of teaching that very quickly that I had no desire to climb the ladder like I would say that this is where this all stemmed from and I was like well shit if I don't want to climb the ladder that means that my earning potential is kind of limited like the how am I going to change that so I was like right I need to learn a skill so something that I can do on the side of teaching I had no intentions of leaving teaching like I was enjoying what I was doing I was having fun the kids were amazing like I said so I, during COVID, the opportunity came up where Steph, my life, I don't know if you follow her, Amazing. she launched her web development courses and I was like, oh, you know what, fuck it. I was like, I'm just going to do it. I've always had a, like a real love for tech. I always loved like things like media studies at school. That was always kind of the route I wanted to go down was actually media. And I will never forget my mom saying, sure, where is that going to get you? In the world we live in today, <laughs> it's fine. All my decisions have led me to where I am, but it's funny because I could have got here a whole lot quicker yeah. if I went the route I planned to. Um, yeah, so I decided to do the web development course because I was working from home a lot with teaching, and because it was primary, I was teaching. And um, like seven, eight year olds, our timetable was quite um, light because the kids could obviously handle so much screen time. So I had all this extra time and I was like, right, okay, I'll do the web development course. So I did the course for eight weeks and then launched my business. And then four weeks later, uh, you did an extra four weeks after you launched into kind of like how to pitch and stuff like that. Like Steph teaches you all the kind of post-launch stuff as well, which is quite important. Um, I did that alongside teaching for about eight months. And then I decided to hand in my notice. Now that kind of was an accumulation from a lot of things. I was loving the freedom of web development. I realized how much I could make doing web development compared to teaching. Um, but also in those six months that I was doing the websites as well, COVID was still kind of going on. The schools were very strict about it. Mark caught COVID at a rugby tournament and the school wanted me to move out of my house and isolate from him. at least two weeks and I said no I said I'm not doing that I was like if he was my husband you wouldn't be asking me to do that I was like he is my family here like we're not like we're so far from family as like him and the dogs like that is my family um and the school kind of they kind of said to me um no they did say to me um that if I didn't take this action and if I did test positive and require more time off work uh that I could face being fired basically or, and further consequences or oh no it was loss of pay plus further consequences and I was just like you know what life is too short to have someone trying to like yeah just tell you that you can't be with your family or try to tell you that they can just take away your visa or that they can just not pay you um for absolutely no just cause so that was like a huge thing that had happened that kind of just made me check out of being a I was like I don't want an employer I was like I want to be the boss of me um 
So yeah, a few months later, I hand them my notice. But I did say to them, you know, like I'm hanging around the island. I left on really good terms. And then they asked me to stay on as a cover teacher. So I still have links and everything there. It's fine. It's nice. Now I can go in. I can have a laugh with the kids. And uh, everyone thinks I'm a superhero because I'm covering someone who's sick. And then I leave again a couple of months later. It's kind of nice. Amazing. And it's it's cool that that was kind of the maybe the kind of like initial point that was like that that's where you, you tap out. But then you have the capacity to, you know, continue those relationships still ha- have the opportunity to teach on the on as cover and it's it really a stressful time I understand like on a HR point of view and everything as well it was a stressful time for them as well because so many teachers were getting sick and they wanted to prevent me like obviously me needing any time off but like I said if, if he was my husband they never would have even suggested that or if we had children they yeah. never would have even suggested that and that is one thing that drove me mad the years that we were out here I did almost feel like because he's just he was just my boyfriend or whatever we would be seen differently than couples who are married or couples with kids and stuff even traveling see the amount of people when I travel solo even people that just kind of like cut in front of you because they've got kids I'm like that's your fucking choice no (laughs) it's so true it's so true and I think you know I have heard that from other people as well is that you know it's 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 what people view you as when you travel and it, as a couple and yeah. the finger is so important in different cultures compared to maybe necessarily in Ireland even it's you know if they're if your partner is like it's that's kind of I think pretty well respected for a lot of people like that is you know it's your and particularly when you're so far away from home like he was he's your family yeah. um yeah and particularly at that time we all needed family in some capacity we needed support systems we needed to feel seen her valued all those things and to take you away yeah. from that, I can imagine was really difficult um but you yeah. know you did that uh, course of stuff my life and I have heard so many girls who have done it and they have raved about it they're all VAs now and and traveling the world yeah it seems like a very successful course um but you know part of how I found you part of your kind of social media tech web journey is your Instagram page and you are half of the Instagram page we also can't must not mention Mark who we spoke about 95% yeah, yeah. <laughs> he gets at least five percent um if if one if, if is lucky um I'm being generous yeah <laughs> so you guys have this Instagram page and it has you know it's exploded you've got about 40,000 followers on it you've got so much content I went like I said earlier I went on a full stalk through I looked at all the content saved and I so I kind of feel like I've been there with you guys <laughs> traveling around Thailand um, and everything like that but I'd love to hear a little bit about you know I guess was it something you always wanted did you always want to build that kind of travel community Instagram or was it something that you had for the two of you that was private for a while or did, it, did you see between the course and where you were going and the advice that maybe you were looking for you couldn't find did you want to become what you which you are now as you know a really big voice in the kind of traveling community particularly in Thailand I think I would say like again it was probably back to when I was in Madrid I remember thinking or after Madrid that I was like god it would have been so helpful if someone had like an Instagram account that could have told me everything I need to know for Erasmus um but back then I definitely would have cared a lot more about what people thought of me I would have worried a lot about judgment and people talked about me um so I did have that desire to run a travel account for years before I finally set one up and it was literally when I moved to Thailand and we I was sitting in that bungalow on the beach in Koh Yang and I was reading um is it Mark Hansen the subtle art of not giving a fuck yeah I think I literally think I was reading that and I it's something just clicked in me 
And I was like, I actually don't give a shit. You know what? People are going to talk anyway. So just do you. Like, if you want to do something, just do it because people are going to talk regardless of if you do it or if you don't. And I was like, if I do start it, not, I didn't want to spend another year thinking, oh God, I should have started my account last year. I didn't want to see more and more people taking off at home and me thinking, why didn't I start mine? I was like, if I just start, then we can just see where it goes. But the idea, I guess it wasn't necessarily, of course, anyone who starts an account, you want to get that validation. You want the following, like you want that, you do want the community. You want then the potential to like go down other avenues and launch other businesses and things like that. But it was never the drive. It definitely was just trying to share as much helpful information as possible, information that I could have really used when I was moving here or when I was traveling here. Yeah, it's so interesting because, um, you know, it's it's I always love to hear the motivation behind it. And I think maybe not what's always the motivation, but the consistent thing is why people don't do it is the fact of, you know, what are people going to say? What are people going to think? It's already done. It's a saturated market, all these different things. And that book is such a good book as well for that. It is like, it just yeah. cuts through the shit. And it's like, yeah. you have, you have no, you either do it or you don't like you either do it or you yeah. don't. Um, and it's your, it's your, it's up to you either way. And so, you know, you, you've created such a beautiful, I would, I would call it maybe like a timeline or like a, vir- like a virtual diary of your time in Thailand and you've got so many different highlights of different parts of it and and things like that but I'd love to hear about the role that it has had on your capacity to kind of connect with people at home or connect with people in Thailand and and what that looks like like I can see that you have a, a um a trip organized for September you have the capacity to bring people together which maybe you didn't have you wouldn't have if you didn't have this Instagram page to a certain extent but how has it kind of the role that has it had that it's had on your life I guess you know either building community at home online in Thailand or everything everything in between um it's definitely opened up opportunities for us like we have stayed in some beautiful like five-star resorts that we could never afford to stay in all because of Instagram, which is crazy. Like, that's amazing. Um, it's also helped us, like, we've actually met people, like, made friends from Instagram, like, people we've met up with here for nights out because they've just dropped us a message and been like, this is very random, but we'll be a cat and we'd love to meet. Um, that's quite nice. I would also say it's, like, really built my confidence in myself, like, that ability to speak on, not care what people think. Um, that's been great. Yeah, at home, our community is probably, I would say, majority. It does say, like, UK, Australia-based. We have a lot of, like, Irish followers as well. But Irish followers, but who don't care about Irish content, basically. They just want the good life. They just want to see, like, the blue sea and the white sand and all of that, which is fair enough. That's why they follow us. Um, But, yeah, it's kind of been a bit universal. Like, I think I said to you before the call, I had a girl actually come up to me on a night out. Now, that was in Phuket, and she was from Ireland. And we were at a fight night and she came up and she was like, I'm so sorry. I just had to introduce myself because I just keep staring at you and I don't you think I'm weird, but I'm such a fangirl. And that has been shocking. Like, I, yeah, I don't think I realized the power of our Instagram or how much you care. Like they're not just viewing for the sake of you and they're actually invested. Like there's part of them that like they genuinely almost like care for us and want us to do well, which is amazing. Yeah, it's it's such a beautiful part of social media is that you have the capacity to even this call now is a perfect example of the chances of us ever meeting 
if we had in social media, probably zero, like, well, I don't know, well, Ireland's actually small, so it just depends. The world is small as well, yeah. to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. It brings people together and also it ca- gives other people the capacity to be part of something, which is, you know, yourself and Mark's life and, and traveling and living in Thailand. And when looking through your social media, you have the capacity to almost, I think so anyway, like bring us along in your journey and your and everything that, you know, the good the bad the highlight reels everything else in between and it's such it's I just love that part of social media and I think you know one thing that I saw recently before this call that you've kind of shared on social media is we kind of mentioned it earlier is is Mark leaving and moving to Australia um and the kind of beginning of long distance for you guys to a certain extent for whatever capacity it is and I'd love if you felt comfortable to touch on you know the reasoning behind that, how it's been, how you've been feeling, you know, like you said, he is your family, you're engaged, if I'm correct, <laughs> again, through my stalking, um, you know, you're engaged, he's your family, you've lived together for a good couple of years now, you've got dogs, but how did that decision come about, you know, um, and I guess the reasoning, I guess, why behind, you know, you felt to share it and I guess bring people along on that journey, because it is probably one of the more tougher moments of your life to date, really. There is a theme here. I would again say it was quite naively and almost abruptly. Obviously, like I said, he's been struggling for quite a while with work and he didn't necessarily want to hand in his notice because, like I said, you're so limited in what you can do here. Thailand actually have a whole list of jobs that are restricted to Thai nationals only, including things like basic, like hairdressing, construction, like a lot of jobs only Thais can do. So, yeah, your options are very limited. We were actually at the gym one day and we met a guy who, he comes here a lot, like he's in Phuket a lot. He is English, but he's based in Australia. And he was like, yeah, I actually do fly in, fly out work. So I'm in Thailand like every few weeks and I do a few weeks fitness holiday. And then I go back to Australia and I do my work and then I come back and I just turned, it was like a light bulb moment. And I just said to Mark, I was like, why don't we do that? Um, And that was kind of where the discussion blossomed no I'm not joking that was probably about eight weeks ago and about six weeks ago we booked his flight and got his visa um and then he left there just what two days ago on Saturday now this is not our first stint of long distance which I feel is like important to say our first year together was long distance we did six months Ireland to England and then we did six months where I was finishing my degree in Belfast and he was in Thailand already he had got his job so we literally didn't see each other for like over 100 days um now that was yeah that was a tough experience but we have grown up so much since then and we're stronger for it as hard as it was and I always it's funny though I always said I would never do it again but we're just at a point now where the bigger picture is worth it we have our goals set we have things that we want to achieve and at the end of the day yeah money might not bring happiness but it fucking helps like you you need it for a lot of things yeah yeah so um yeah the plan is that it's, it's the first stint will be probably the hardest like he might be away like a month or two before he's secure. ideally what we want is that he gets to fly in fly out work which means that he'll be kind of based in Perth but he'll be flown out to like rural parts of Australia um for maybe hopefully we're hoping for like three weeks at a time so he'll do three weeks on and then he literally gets three weeks totally off work where he can just fly back to Thailand because it's quite cheap cost of living's low here now the, obviously because you're probably wondering why didn't you just go with him um but like we said already like I've got dogs and um, our cost of living here is so low I'm just at a stage now where I'm kind of like I love Thailand but I'm also checked out and I'm ready for a new adventure but I don't want to be moving further from home I'm ready to be going the other way 
So there was no sense in uprooting me and the dogs when we can just spend a few weeks apart at a time, make amazing money, have an amazing lifestyle here when he's home together. And yeah, just see if it works for us. Amazing. And I think, you know, like you said, the bigger picture is worth fighting for in this scenario. And sometimes it isn't. And when we're younger, I think it's easy to be like, oh, we don't need that yet. Like we're too young, like enjoy the moment. But if it's worth yeah. it, it's it's worth the sacrifice of spending time away from each other. It's worth a bit of uncertainty. It's worth the distance. But that doesn't make it any easier. That doesn't make, you know, it, the experience of it any easier. And I just think, you know, when I saw when I saw him leaving on your Instagram a couple of days ago, I was like, like you said, I was like, why am I really upset? I don't know this girl. I don't know him. I'm like, why do why do I feel really sad about that? And I think it's because you know it's it's really real. Like it's it's real emotion. Yeah. Um, you know, you're not hiding it. You're not showing it up you're not blowing it up it's just your experience and his experience and your reason why is so it's so like just deep and full of love and intention and things like that and it's really gorgeous to see and you know I really hope that he he gets and I know friends who are in Perth and who are working on um oil rigs and mines and things like that and they do the fly in fly out and they find a really good balance they make their own balance they figure it out themselves and they have a really good they make a lot of money. They have a really good quality of life other than that. And, you know, there is, there's a lot of benefits to it. Um, yeah. but you know, Something you mentioned there was, you know, you've, you've loved Thailand. You still love Thailand. Um, but you are thinking that you don't necessarily want to start moving further away from home, that maybe it's time in due course or in the next couple of months or maybe a year to come a little bit closer to home. And part of this conversation that I think is so important is to hear your thoughts and opinions on home now having been away for so long and you know would it ever be something you'd want to come back to Ireland is do you see opportunity here for yourself and and, and Mark is it something that you want or you know do you just want to be a little bit closer um there's so many things so yeah for me I'm probably your typical Irish person like I romanticize Ireland when I'm I'm away I'm like yes there's no place like home kind of person mark unlike me when he left the uk he was running from something he was very unhappy he still kind of had that um those kind of negative feelings towards the uk until our visit home this past month um he really needed it and it's totally changed his perception he always said like no i could never move home could never move home it still needs to be somewhere hot whatever and i we were sitting in this beautiful cottage in ireland for a night like from Instagram and he turned to me and he went you know I actually could live in Ireland and I was like yes I knew you would I like but yeah no I don't necessarily feel like I need to settle at home because I think I mean in an ideal world if we had plenty of money I would love to have a base in Ireland even if it was just like an apartment in Belfast that we could come and go to um for me I still love kind of been immersed in different cultures and stuff and for him as well so I think we're kind of thinking like south of Spain or Italy um, maybe Italy because there's so many houses for quite cheap and renovate them. Like you can buy a house for like 15,000 euro in some parts of Italy and then you've got like five years to renovate it. Um, so in an ideal world, I would love to do something like that. For me though, I miss like, I've got a niece and two nephews and I miss so much of their life from COVID obviously and from being away. So I do have a real pull to family. Um, Mark does now too like with his parents getting older and things and his gran like when he seen his gran when we went home this time he bawled because he realised it had been like four and a half years since he had seen her and I think he just said like just even walking around his local village like seeing people have aged like you have missed stuff although everything's still the same 
you can see how time has moved on still. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, we're ready to move closer to family so that we could even just pop home for a weekend, not have to plan it nine months in advance. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really cool to hear that because I think, you know, we live in a digital era. We are connected to people to a capacity that's like never been heard of before. Like even right now I'm in Dublin, you're in, in Thailand, we're on, we're on a call. Like it's kind of bizarre, but those things that we also cannot connect to over Zoom or over Instagram is the people who are not directly connected to. So it's the walking to the shop. It's the experience of putting your jacket on for the fresh air. It's seeing your nieces. God, I miss the breeze so much. I can't even tell you how much I love the freshness of home. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you just, you just don't, you forget about the kind of the small things, like the really tiny mundane things of going to the, the shop. Tesco shop. You guys take it yeah. for granted. Yeah. Walking into or a spa and the options. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to put on a stone. Exactly. And, and that's the thing. So I think it's a really beautiful, you know, thing to mention in this conversation is that like you could, you could be really happy in Thailand, but also maybe want to leave. But that doesn't necessarily mean you want to come home. It's like these, this conversation is really fluid. It changes, perspectives change. And even Mark saying, you know, he could live in Ireland and, and he could be home yeah. and his granny and gra- granny and stuff like that. I think it just, it's really important to highlight that like there, th- this is a fluid conversation. It changes perspectives. Right. Your value shift. Yeah, you're, yeah, exactly. If I asked him that a year ago, he would have just said absolutely no way. And that would have been the conversation over. And now he's the one initiating that kind of conversation about kind of moving closer and stuff like that. Yeah, it's just it's just great to hear that because I think it gives people who are at home who are thinking should I go somewhere and people who are away thinking should I come home. There's a middle ground to it. There is yeah. um decision making. It's a process like a decision making process. It's a process yeah. that is not like you said it ebbs and flows. And that's kind of I guess the kind of thread of this conversation has been about that like the highs and the lows of what we see on Instagram, what it's like to be away from home, and the things that we maybe miss when we're away. And mm-hmm. it's all and again you you there's no there's no right answer I always have to tell myself it's like there's no one decision to make like there's no there's a lot of different different decisions which will lead to a lot of different um more decisions and things like that but you know you have you have learned so much over the last couple of years and you have made some really pretty big decisions some big risks like you said no risk no reward which I really rate um you've experienced so much and like just been so open and honest about those experiences on your Instagram and and showing the kind of the, the, the best parts but also who you are and, and that's what makes I think that's why you have the 40,000 followers that you do because you bring yourself to it and yourself and Mark and your relationship and things like that which is just so lovely to see but you know having like if there was a bit of advice that you could give yourself if you knew like now what you want or if you knew then what you knew, know now maybe when you were just finishing uni or you're going to Madrid for the first time or deciding to move to Thailand what would it be? Oh, that's such a good question. That's so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just literally, like, if I want to do something, to never let the fear of what someone else thinks hold me back. Because at the end of the day, the people who are important and the opinions that you should care about, like, they're never going to say anything bad. It's always going to be, if they have something to say, it'll be constructive at least. The people who are saying the negative things or if they are, um, I mean, they're not important to you anyway, are they? Like you'd rather kind of know and distance yourself from them. Um, I mean, we've been quite lucky. We've not really experienced trolling yet, touch wood. <laughs> um, 
yeah, I don't know. I think that is such an Irish thing, though, to be so concerned about what someone down the street might think of you. Even now at home, like I would find myself going into a bar, like our local bar, and I'd have a bit of anxiety, being like, oh God, who am I going to bump into? What if they think I'm a dickhead? <laughs> Just so stupid. But then I'm like, well, I don't have to worry about it for another year again. Then after that, <laughs> it's so true. And I think, you know, we do have this in Ireland, this kind of some people do experience and I think we all experience in some capacity this kind of small town mindset and we are really afraid and it's probably a cultural thing we are really afraid of what our neighbors think and all these different things or maybe it's ingrained in us and I think but knowing that that's not important but actually really believing it are two separate things and they come with experience yeah. they come with age they come with time um, and I don't think it's another linear thing either I think it can ebb and flow but it's such it's so it's so true it's so true and I think you know you have lived your life over the last couple of years to that bit of advice you know you've done what you wanted to do you've been really brave and it's just been incredible to 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 see and and to see you do so well and and to be so I think to be so comfortable with the discomfort of uncertainty um and fear and big decisions like these are big decisions you're making yourself in the market well I just jump into everything I like it's worked out so far like getting with Mark when I'd spent about 20 days with him yeah the year see again that's just eat pray love and I'm obsessed but you know when it comes to your future and I'm I'm pretty sure I have an idea of what this might be but you know have you got any big hope streams for the future of the next couple weeks months years that you're looking forward to or working towards do you know what I read something beautiful the other night is in that book 101 essays um Rihanna God's and it said that like any goal that you currently have are based on experiences that your brain has already kind of had that you can't make goals for something you've never experienced and I thought about it and I was like I literally like the world really is your oyster like you really have no idea like there's no limit on what you can achieve so I'm kind of excited to keep just doing me and see where that can lead us like with Instagram and things and see what kind of takes off. But we do have a couple of big things that we want to achieve. Like I said, like I'm pretty set in the idea of like buying a renovating a house on like an island in Italy, like Sardinia or somewhere. Um, Mark wants to buy a hostel and set it up and run it and stuff. We're not sure where yet. Originally, always thought Cambodia, but we're kind of staring away from that now. Maybe somewhere in Europe, we'll see. Yeah, move home. Um, not home, <laughs> Europe. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean yeah we'll see where life takes us well and I guess you know I'll be following along and everyone else who follows you will be but for those who may not where can we find you where can we find out about your guides your future trips that we didn't even get to speak about but all your trips and everything that you're getting um up to how can we get involved you know I can't believe I didn't even mention the trip and things that I'm excited about I'm also excited about our Komodo Island trip <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so you mainly I mainly post on Instagram so it's Mark and Nadine travel on Instagram but we've also started posting a bit more on TikTok and even on YouTube because we want to share a bit more of like what this FIFO life is like not only for Mark experiencing it but also for me as the partner living away from him for like weeks at a time amazing and I think that type of content will go down really well because I think it's it's a more universal experience in a different capacity, even if it's not FIFO life, it's distance. And it's yeah, um, it's travel, it's growing up, making decisions and everything else in between. But listen, Nadine, I have adored this conversation. I just think it's so interesting to hear about, you know, your experiences, how you've made decisions, Thailand in general, you know, advice you give your younger selves, the good and the bad stuff of 
your life and your experience with Mark and Thailand and everything else in between. It's been such a joy to talk to you. And yeah, I just wish you the best of luck. I really hope he gets that job sorted um, very, very quickly and that he's back, back to you and the dogs as soon as possible. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of Greener Fields. To get involved, follow us on Instagram at Greener Fields and let us know who you'd like us to talk to next. Thank you so much again and I'll chat to you really soon.